another episode of Winging It Motown Radio. I am your host, Kyle. I'll be uh, manning the ship tonight because Jeff is off cheering for the Bruins. We've got Graham and we've got JJ on with us tonight. Uh, fellas, how are we doing? I'm once again uh, back to feeling it as the greatest night ever. Was it not the greatest night ever before? Well, you know, I wasn't feeling it on Monday, and so that's why we, we couldn't record at the normal time, because kind of didn't want to puke all over the microphone and stuff, but it worked out. So you're feeling better yeah, now. Wouldn't have a change from regular. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Thanks, Graham. Hi. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, hello. Hi, Graham. Hey, I'm glad to be back. I missed last few. Yeah, I know. You were being an adult. Uh, it is the worst <laughs> by a lot. It is a big, fat pile of shit. So... Yeah, I get a big fat pile of shit. <laughs> Perfect segue. Um, the Red Wings, since we last talked, eh, things haven't been going so well. Um, they've only won one game, and uh, they've been really bad. Uh, the goaltending hasn't been what it has been. Jimmy Howard's been what he has been, but Peter Mrazek has come down to earth uh, in a very ugly fashion. Um, Though he did have a really good game last night against, uh, or not, well, last night now that we're recording, but uh, on Tuesday against the Blue Jackets in that in that win. Um, I don't know what were you guys' impressions over the over the last week. Um, obviously, it's a bunch of shit, but you know, if you could pull any positives from it, what would it be? And uh, what is the glaring negatives of this team that makes you think, "Good God, this is bad." I've got a few positives. I think that the last two goaltending performances were uh, were really strong. Uh, especially, I'm glad to see that Jimmy Howard right. got to put on a great performance. Uh, it sucks that they they basically morazicked him. Um, you know, the guy put the goaltender puts on a, a steel worthy performance, and you gain, you can't get him a single goal of support. Uh, in fact, the first time they got shut out all season was when Jimmy Howard, by and large, earned a shutout and had it blown by the three on three overtime. So. Um, that worked out pretty well, and then Mrazek came in, and I thought that he played uh, really well in in the Columbus game. Uh, I will say that I thought that Mrazek also got uh, pretty lucky on a lot of the Columbus missed nets, but uh, I don't care about that. I don't want to take credit away from the guy, so that's good. I mean, it was a a road trip. There were a couple of games in there where they were tired. Um, I'll give them the excuse on that. I know a lot of people are, are like, really mad at the way the team's been performing lately but i think boiling it all down it really ties into basically it's something we saw earlier in the year is the more minutes you try to give luke glendening the worse the team does um the earlier stretch when they were really struggling and it was like all about glenny magic trying to match him up against top lines um this ugly stretch on the road where i think blashill is really kind of afraid of not having that matchup he really wants to try to uh limit the exposure of the young guys to tougher competition and so he's just automatically trying to give that to glendening's line and it felt like every other freaking shift on the road was either dotsuk's line or glendening's line and i i love seeing dotsuk's line but i kind of don't want to see them ground into paste in february (laughs) i think we've got some kids that can help keep them fresh for later on in the season so uh, that's actually both kind of a positive and a negative for me because I think that when the Red Wings are playing the way that we've seen Blashill put the lines together and actually use them, like Athens U getting 15 minutes, uh, this team can hang with anybody. And it's just we're, we can't be confident that that's what Blashill's 
fully realized plan is going to be at any point in the season. And yeah, if, if every time he goes on the road, he's going to go back to uh, let's just use Glenn Netting forever, then we're gonna we're gonna struggle. Yeah, um, I and you know it, it's my fault for not giving Jimmy the uh, the praise that he deserved for that game against uh, the Rangers. He was a uh, spectacular. Um, but yeah, I think the the big positives of it all really just Athanasiu. Uh, he played over fifteen minutes uh, against the Blue Jackets, and he just looked like a. He looked like a boss. He, the kid's real good. He had like a couple of really, really great chances that he created on his own, um, just by speed and his ability to uh, control the puck with skill at that speed, which you don't see from a lot of players. Um, uh, and then you know his shootout goal, which was uh, which was great. He, you know he's just quick hands and just just uh, burned uh, McElhenney or however the hell you say his name. Um, one negative thing, and that's just kind of that I'm looking at, like what's recently happened in, in, against the Blue Jackets. I saw the the Red Wings give up a lot of odd man rushes to a uh, odd man rushes to a very bad team uh, by a very bad team in the Blue Jackets. That was one thing that I was thinking about the entire game. It's like I, I don't, I can't remember exactly how many they had, but it was definitely more than two or three, and it was really 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 concerning so um defense still isn't very good um and yeah i don't know i mean cronwall is back i i, I don't know how much time did cronwall play against blue ja- the blue jackets he was oh, up no. there he i think he had allowed it was i think it was almost 20 minutes oh really okay minutes. yeah he so played he a lot it. They didn't really give him the uh, the old man. Okay, you're coming back. They were just they just threw him into the bulls. Um, and then you're going to have Erickson back on Saturday. So um, Erickson's going to be paired with Green. Who the hell knows what that's going to be like? I assume it's probably not going to be very much fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was the one thing is that they gave up just a buttload of odd man rushes, and it was really sucked. And then another one, it was a. Uh, um, in the three-on-three overtime, um, I think it was against the Senators. Yeah, it was against the Senators, where Blashill had a guy like Athanasiu, um, who is, you know, with the speed he has and the ability that he has, yet he's out there and it seems like he's double-shifting Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg, and they just look completely gassed, and I think that was a really poor call by Blashill. So that's something that needs to be fixed, and it was last uh, against the Blue Jackets, so... He did use Athanasio. Cronwell played twenty four twenty five against the Jackets. Jesus yeah. Christ! That seems huge considering how uh, basically invisible he looked in that game, which I think is kind of a good thing. It's a good thing, yeah. Um, yeah, because as far as the odd man rushes, I remember. I don't remember the specific numbers, but I remember two specific instances of defense uh, by Kyle Quincy on those odd man rushes that were exceptionally yeah, played. Really well. Yeah. Um, and so, thinking back on those, like I, I can remember the specific uh, goof up by DeKaiser on the on the one. I don't remember the other one, but I'm pretty sure that was also DeKaiser. And I thought this was one of DeKaiser's weakest games of the season. Um, and it's 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 one of those things where I do want the, the defense activating, and I do like how they were activating. But there were a lot of times where the guys were not thinking because I want them activating as long as the third forward is ready to get high, and that. Uh, that kind of wasn't happening on on those specific goof ups. Is the turnovers were happening above the circles in the, the offensive zone, and that's where odd man rushes come from. So, yeah, it, it continue being 
aggressive on the defense, but also stop screwing up so much to give odd man rushes up. And if, but if you do, uh, cool. Let's have that Kyle Quincy back for more odd man rushes, and let's have uh, Mrazek keep making some of those uh, so those great stops. But um, yeah, um, Graham, what did you? What What about you? Um, I mean, you guys have touched on a few of them, the, the goaltending, everything. I think it's funny. The one part that I thought is that uh, that between the two Sunday games that they had, the one against Boston, the one against the Rangers, uh, if that's not an illustration of how poorly wins and losses are to evaluate a goaltender, I don't know what is. Because, yeah, I mean, you saw Mrazek just basically have easily his worst game of the year. He wins. Uh, Jimmy stands on his head for 62 minutes and he loses. And uh, so I just I thought about that after I watched the the Ranger game and thought that's just that's not fair. So whenever anybody points out that you know Jimmy has lost his last however many starts, I I kind of chuckle at that one. But um, a couple of things for me, Riley Shan, I think getting a getting the shorthanded goal and getting the team off the schneid there. But he has played well over the last few weeks. I think that it was a point that he really he needed because I think he was pointless in seventeen or sixteen prior to that. Um, so I think for him to get the not only the goal and but then get put in the shootout and score again after faking the first move and then going to a second move, um, if I mean if they can get him going, you saw the lines in practice from earlier. I think they had him with Tatar and Nyquist, if I remember correctly. So I don't know if they're reuniting that line or what, but I mean if they can get Riley Shane going and get some offense because that's been their that's been their issue. And and, and Blashill saying in the press that he was going to consider switching up the shootout lineup and then he actually did it and he yeah. went with the two players who you went he went with the one guy who scored and he went with Athanasiu who really was one of their best forwards against the Blue Jackets um if not their best one and he went with the two hot hands like that to me that's how you should um that's how you should go with a shootout is obviously you know who's good and who's not but if there's a guy who's just had a really strong game and you just kind of have a feeling that he's got it that night, put him in with your first three shooters and don't don't keep him there. Like I'm so, I'm so, I'm tired of seeing Gustav Nyquist just kind of come down and just like, who knows what he's going to do if he's not doing that that quick um, you know kind of fake where then he tucks it under the goalie. Yeah, his moves are no good. And even yeah. even Datsuk lately, I don't know. It's like he's running out of moves or I don't know if that's possible, but he hasn't looked good in the shootout either. So that was good. The goal scoring still an issue. I mean, yeah, know, they scored it, it, two it against it. Ottawa. They, I mean, they they basically played. They earned four points scoring three goals, which is kind of insane when you actually think about it. Yeah. Um. But and even the one goal against Ottawa, the second one there, it was you know it was a it was a fluke. I mean, you know, it was the one that was deflected in off uh, Carlson stick. So they kind of got a break there. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It seems like every time that they they get these lines that seem to be working. It, it doesn't work for a game, and then they switch them up again. Right. So, I, uh, I don't yeah. know. I think uh, there's, it's an interesting look that we have coming up here. Um, uh, from the morning skate, uh, as of right now, which it is Wednesday, um, they skated earlier. Uh, the first line, it's, uh, it's the same as it has been. That second line will be Nyquist, uh, Shane, Tatar, which has been good in the past. Um, the third line is really the, the, uh, the you know, the the uh, eye opener, I think, and that's uh, uh, Athanasiu centering uh, Dylan Larkin and uh, Brad Richards, um, and I think I like that line a whole lot. Uh, if I don't know the, the Richards thing, maybe I don't know, but definitely like the the blend of Athanasiu and Larkin, just the skill and the the speed. Um, 
Helm was the try to keep up old man line. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> two kids and a goat. It really is. Um, and then Helm is, was sick, so he didn't skate. So Polkinen got to uh, got to participate. He got his participation ribbon today. So that's good. Feel good for him. Um, but it looks like it'll be Helm, Glendening, and Yurko on the fourth line. Oh. First time he's participated this week. No. Hey, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's been bad. And maybe he is. Maybe he was sick. I mean, you know, Larkin missed the game on Saturday, so maybe yeah. there's a little bit of a bug going around the the team. But um, Man, I hope that's it because Pulkinen gets a lot of still gets a lot of unfair shit in my opinion. And then like he goes out and has a stinker. I'm like, well, I can't back you up on this one, guy. You fucking sucked in this game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's uh, he's an he, interesting case. He had that one play. Uh, it was the power play was expiring, and then uh, Columbus had already had a two-on-one on that power play shorthanded and then the power play ended and and it was just you could see it and i'm not normally one to to say anything about his body language or anything but he just didn't look like he was trying to get back even though he was the high man the high forward um just with with where the play developed and i just remember saying out loud like fucking skate palkin and christ this is why people don't like you he kind of lazily like tried to bump the guy off and like yeah and then he and then he and then he kind of he almost stopped he certainly wasn't. He certainly wasn't doing the oh shit! I have to get back and and at least somewhat negate this three on one. And honestly, the, the only reason that they didn't score is because the puck bounced over the the guy's stick. But it was yeah. that play really s- stood out to me. And, and you know what? I mean, I think this is part of what uh, a lot of people think probably with Smith is that you have the kind of those big plays that you remember. And that's what sticks in your mind is even though you maybe forget a bunch of little plays that he made that were really good. Well, that's the other thing with Polkinen, too, is that the guy plays nine minutes or he plays six minutes. And I keep saying this on the site, but it's like a lot of people are like, well, I, I want to see more of Polkinen. Well, you can't because he only plays six minutes a night. And so mm-hmm. you're not like you want to remember more about him and you don't. So it's like, well, he must have sucked, but he didn't have a, a much of an opportunity to shine. I thought he had enough of an opportunity to shine in the Columbus game and he he bunted it. Uh, this is off topic right now, but they're showing uh, like shots of Coors Field, and it, they definitely have fake mountains. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I hope that the players have to walk through the fake mountains. I think like little fake. They, they get little kids climbing in Yeti, Yeti costumes, <laughs> <laughs> or a yodeler. Yeah, there we go. Oh, that'd be good. Want to dress up as the yodeler? Fuck him. This is my this is my <laughs> fantasy. So whatever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, moving along a little bit, uh, outside of fake mountains and Patrick Waugh dressed up as a yodeler yodeling on top of a fake mountain. Um, uh, defensive pairs, we'll just touch on this real quick. Uh, Ouellette got sent back to Grand Rapids today. I don't think Ouellette looked really that good while Bye, he was Felicia. here. Yeah, he, like, I, I, I'm really disappointed with that. I thought he was going to, like, you know, come up here and look real good. So now I, I feel like I shouldn't, we shouldn't see Ouellette again, and it should probably be someone we haven't seen before. Um, but as it stands right now is, uh, and you know, the, the Kaiser Quincy, Cronwall, Marchenko, Erickson, Green, uh, Smith is, he skated today, but it looks like he might not be playing. He took a real, real vicious hit against, uh, from Kirby Reichel, uh, against, uh, Columbus where it looks like, I swear to God, his collarbone snapped, but, uh. It was a big hit, and there was a little bit of a charge there, but it didn't get called. But, um, yeah, so Smith has been one of the better defensemen on the team, and, I mean, he's not playing. That kind of sucks. So I don't know how exactly I feel. 
Yeah, I'm amazed Smith came back in that game. And I was probably just filling in the narrative in my head from that point forward after seeing the replay of the Reichel hit that like really snapped his head back hard. Yeah. But I remember I, I tweeted this out. He looked like he was trying to do SAT problems in his head like while playing. And Smith already isn't known for being a very quick thinker. So, um, of course, he got that like that breakaway while like sleeping through the, the fog. So, hey, maybe maybe that's the secret for him. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's out specifically because uh, he's still a little woozy. Yeah, the the story on uh, it was on M Live. It specifically said that Blashill has not made a determination on his pairings for the game on Saturday. So everything's kind of up in the air. But there was no actual um, update given on Smith. But I mean, I, I was kind of the same way. I thought because you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Smith's going to sit now." And um, it, the the funny, the, I thought Smith played really well. He completely botched the uh, the winning goal on the. Um, he misplayed the the rush against the Rangers, but uh, other than that, I thought he played really, really well. And but I, I you wonder with the hit that he took, and you got Erickson coming back. If maybe it's like a, hey Brendan, your your head kind of hurts, probably right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, see, because that's hurts, the question. Right? I think it because you don't want to mess around with those. The, if if it is a head injury, uh, you, I mean, with the spotlight on it after the Dennis Wideman thing, right? You, I mean, you don't want to mess around. If you even think about it, just sit him out. Man, and goodness gracious, if one of the Red Wings would have destroyed one of the refs in the Columbus game, I'd have supported it, too. I, I'd pay the fine. I'd help pay the – well, help pay because I wouldn't be able to pay the whole thing. Right. But yeah, they were awful. Yeah, and look at the, the defensive pairings. Like, I'm not certain that – like, I don't think that Smith is, is coming back because it doesn't seem I, – I guess in my head, if it's not going to be Smith who's sitting, it's going to be Marchenko. And it doesn't seem to me that Marchenko is currently occupying the spot next to Cronwall as holding a spot for Brendan Smith. Like, I don't think that that would be the pairing if Smith were planning to go. Yeah, because they had Smith, before that was set down, they had him paired with Smith as part of practice. I think the key will be to watch the next practice and see how the pairings line up. And I think if you see the exact same pairings, that's probably going to be a good indicator that Smith's out. He's not playing, barring something happening. Maybe Erickson tweaks something or something. But Well, speaking of tweaking something, um, this is a really shitty segue. Uh, whatever. I'm no Jeff Hancock. I'm sorry. Uh, prospects report. Uh, Michelle has a good one for us uh, this week. Um, they're always good, but this week we got a good feeling. So, uh, Michelle, take it away. Tell us about the youngins. It was a pretty good week for the Griffins as they picked up a 6 out of 8 possible points last week. They beat the Milwaukee Admirals 4-1 on Wednesday night, lost 4-2 to the Charlotte Checkers Friday night, then got some revenge by beating the Checkers 5-2 on Saturday, and then they obliterated the Chicago Wolves 5-0 on a Tuesday matinee game. There were plenty of Wings Brass in attendance Wednesday night for the Griffins 4-1 win over the Milwaukee Admirals, and Anthony Mantha stepped up big time and made an impression. He scored his first professional hat trick and added an assist for a 4-point night. He opened the Griffins scoring just 224 into the first period, where he was awarded a penalty shot that he backhanded up and over Merrick Mazinets. Nathan Page put the Griffins up 2-0 less than 6 minutes into the game, and Anthony Mantha earned an assist on the goal. Then, less than 3 minutes into the second period, Mantha tallied his second goal of the night. Milwaukee ruined Coro's shutout when they squeaked the puck past him just over 8 minutes into the third period. But about 4 minutes later, Mantha scored an unassisted power play goal to complete his hat trick. He scored on a penalty shot, at even strength, and on the power play. It was a very 
very good night for Mantha. Friday night was a little bit more of a lackluster game. Tyler Bertuzzi and Andy Mealy scored the Griffins' only two goals in the 4-2 loss, though one of Charlotte's goals was an empty netter. Saturday night, Mitch Callahan scored two goals, and Anthony Mantha, Andy Mealy, and Tyler Bertuzzi each scored a goal in the Griffins' 5-2 win. Grand Rapids fired a season-high 49 shots on the Checkers goalie Anthony Peters, and Peters was the only reason that that game wasn't more out of control. Tuesday's matinee game in Chicago was all Griffins right from the start. Grand Rapids came out with energy, and Mantha scored the first goal just 7.35 into the first period. Then Bertuzzi scored less than a minute later, and then right off the faceoff, Callahan made it 3-0 20 seconds later. Three goals in a minute and eight seconds isn't too shabby at all. Plus, Marty Frick scored midway through the second period, and then again late in the third period on the power play to give the Griffins their 5-0 win. Jared Coro earned his fourth shutout of the season in that game, and he continues to be one of the best goalies in the league, with the fourth best goals against average at 2.29 and the fourth best save percentage at 927. So in four games, the Griffins picked up three wins and a loss, and overall it was a pretty good week. Mantha's now scored five goals and seven points in those four games, and he's already passed his goal and point totals from last season, and he did it in 16 fewer games. He continues to creep up on the team lead in points with 36, and now he's only two points behind Mealy for team lead. And he's also only four goals behind Marty Furk for team lead in goals. Speaking of Marty Furk, he had two more goals and four points in four games last week, and he continues to lead the team in goals with 21. And he's tied with Mantha for team lead in points per game with .77. It's been a lot of fun to watch these two players kind of come into their own this season. And then looking at the stats, not only are they among the team lead in points and goals, but when you look at it on a points per game basis, they lead the way. Furk also leads the team in power play goals with eight. Tyler Bertuzzi made a pretty big impression when he joined the Griffins after the Guelph season was over last year. He played in the playoffs with the Griffins, made a lot of noise, scored some goals, and really looked like he was going to be an exciting player. The start to this year wasn't so great. It was a lot slower for him. He wasn't scoring, wasn't scoring. He's had a couple of suspensions already, but in his last four games now, he has three goals, and that's five goals in his last seven games. My hope is that this is him getting some confidence, finally adjusting to the AHL, finding a good place on the team, and hopefully finding the balance between having the skill that he needs in order to be successful and put up the points, but also walking that fine line between being an agitator and tough to play against, but not crossing that line, taking penalties or getting a suspension. I do get concerned sometimes that Nelson may encourage him to go a little bit too far the wrong way, because that's how Nelson seems to like his team to run. He likes him to play with that edge, to be agitators, to go out and, you know, start shit. And I do get concerned that he encourages, not even objectively that he encourages players to play with too much of an edge, but for my taste, for what I want to see out of these guys, it's a little bit more than I would like. The Griffins' power play continues to struggle. They scored two power play goals on 12 opportunities in the last four games, and they continue to allow shorthanded chances against. Jared Coro had to come up with a couple of really big shorthanded saves, which shouldn't be happening. Unfortunately, it is happening with disturbing regularity. Their penalty kill was pretty decent and went 8 for 11. And the Griffins' 62 points put them at third in the Central Division, and they sit fifth in the Western Conference. So they're currently in a playoff spot, but it certainly is a close race and nothing's guaranteed. So the team is going to have to continue winning games and can't go on more losing slumps. There are only 26 regular season games left in the season, and that really isn't that many. So they're going to have to make sure that they keep going with the winning and picking up points. Otherwise, it could come down to the very last game on the last day of the regular season and could be a battle to make it into the playoffs. After their Tuesday matinee game, the Griffins do have a few days off and they don't play again until Friday night at home when they start their three-game homestand. They take on the Iowa Wild at 
7, have a rematch against the Wild on Saturday at 7, and then they host the Chicago Wolves Sunday at 4. With Mantha coming in hot, it would be easy to get really excited about getting ready for a call-up for him and anticipating him being in the NHL. But Coach Blaschel had some things to say that put a hold on that. After Mantha's four-point game and his first pro hat trick, Blash said, They said he played really, really good, meaning Ryan Martin and Ken Holland. He didn't just get a hat trick, he scored NHL goals. He did a real good job. There were some areas of the game where he's got to make sure he continues to improve. Play on the wall to get pucks out, breaking out of his zone. Those are going to be critical things, because when you get up here, you're only allowed a couple of mistakes. Will Mantha get a call-up soon? Blash says, hold on. We'd have to be convinced that he could beat out a Thomas Tatar or Larkin or Henrik Zetterberg or a Justin Abdelkader and be in a situation where he's on one of those top two lines and be able to beat those guys out and be better than them. Blash also said, One of the worst things you can do is put a player in a spot where he comes up here and plays six minutes a night. It's a real hard thing to do. Double A, meaning Andreas Athanasiu, has got a pretty unique ability to have an impact in six to seven minutes because of what his game is. It equates to skating and energy. Anthony is much different than that. I think Anthony's on a good path. I know Ken thinks Anthony's on a good path. Let's keep him headed in the right direction. And he also said, from Anthony's perspective, I'm glad I'm hearing that he's playing good. I'm glad that he's gaining confidence offensively and scoring goals. That's what he was drafted to do is score. He's a great kid who wants to get better. Mantha's continued to improve all season, and even at the beginning of this year, it was clear that he was picking up where he left off last year. But I've said all season long that I wasn't ready to talk about him getting a call-up yet, and it's because of a lot of what those Blash Hill quotes just communicated. He's doing good. Sometimes he's doing great, and he's on the right path, but it's still so early on that path for him that when he does get to the Red Wings, he's not going to be somebody that you can plug in in a bottom six role and expect him to thrive and do well and grow because that's not his skill set. That's not the role that he's going to play on the team. The way things are going right now, I'd be perfectly fine with him staying in Grand Rapids for the entire rest of their season. Let him keep playing, let him keep scoring, let him keep gaining the confidence, learning, improving in the little areas. By the time he leaves the AHL, he needs to be at that point where he's a dominant player. Down in Toledo, the Walleye also picked up three wins in a loss last week, beating the Colorado Eagles on Wednesday night 4-3, losing at Fort Wayne 5-2 on Friday, then beating Fort Wayne 4-3 on Saturday, and beating the Kalamazoo Wings 2-0 on Sunday. Zach Nastasiak had a goal and an assist in four games, and he now has 15 points in 18 games with the Walleye. Jake Patterson saw action in three of the four games. He started in a 4-3 win over Colorado on Thursday, made 23 saves, played the final 20 minutes in the 5-2 loss to Fort Wayne on Sunday, stopping all 12 shots he faced, and then he made 25 saves in the 4-3 win over the Comets on Sunday. He continues to improve both in his performance and his stats, and he now has a 10-8-2 record on the season, a 9-19 save percentage, and a 2.41 goals against. The Walleye have a nice 69 points, which gives them a 14-point stranglehold on the North Division lead, and also puts them only two points away from first in the Eastern Conference. They currently hold the third spot. And like the Griffins, the Walleye also have a three-game homestand coming up this weekend, where they host the Brampton Beast on Friday night, the Greenville Swamp Rabbits on Saturday, and the Indy Fuel on Sunday. In other prospects news, Billy Sarajarvi and the Flint Firebirds had a really shitty week. The team lost 5-2 to the Erie Otters on Thursday, beat the Sarnia Sting 4-3 on Friday, thanks to an unassisted power play goal by Villy in the third period, and then lost to the London Knights 4-0 on Saturday. That's a rough week for one of the worst teams in the OHL, and I haven't even mentioned yet that team owner Rolf Nilsson refired the coaching staff. If you'll remember, back in November, the team owner Nilsson fired the coaching staff, including 
including coaches John Gruden and Dave Carva. Nilsson was upset that his son, who's a defenseman on the team, wasn't getting enough ice time. His son is a marginal OHL defenseman to begin with and doesn't deserve any more ice time, but that isn't the point in Rolf's mind. So the OHL stepped in at that point, told the owner that he couldn't do that. They ended up reinstating the coaching staff after the players staged a walkout. Several of the players uh, that were instrumental in that walkout were immediately traded to different teams. The OHL stepped in, the coaches were reinstated, and life went on. The head coach actually got an extension shortly after that, but apparently that doesn't matter because last week, the team owner decided to fire the coaches again. Things did not get better after the first time. They got worse. There was, of course, a lot of tension and unhappiness, and things have gone to shit again. The OHL commissioner, David Branch, released a statement in regards to what's going on, saying that the OHL had suspended Mr. Nelson and his appointees on the management and coaching staff, and that the OHL was temporarily taking over for the team. So the team's continued playing, but it's been with OHL staff, not team staff. It's a cluster. It's disgusting. It pisses me off. It's selfish, and it's stupid. And this is just such a toxic situation for 18, 19, 20-year-old boys to be in who are trying to grow and develop and play hockey and get to a higher level. They're involved. Their families are involved, whether it be their biological families, their billet families. Everybody's getting drugged through this. It's it's awful. Billy had already said previously that he did not want to return to Flint without coaches Gruden and Carpa. And it sounds now like both Billy and the Red Wings are on board with him not returning to Flint next year. His options include Finland, the USHA, or he could go to the AHL or the ECHL. Red Wings Brass has already said that Philly won't return to Flint next year, and as soon as their season is over this year, he'll either join the Walleye or the Griffins, which is typical for the OHL kids once their team season is over. The concern with sending Philly right to the AHL at this point in time is that he's so young and inexperienced that if he can't step right in and earn a lot of playing time and get the experience, it's not going to be good for him to be a healthy scratch or be playing a very small role. This is where he and the Red Wings will be looking at the other options, USHL, Finland, etc. It's going to be up to both Vili and the team to decide where he's going to be the best fit and get the most experience and development next year. Honestly, reliving all of this just pisses me off. It's terrible for development. It's terrible for growth. It's terrible for morale. There's nothing good about this. And it's coming because the team owner wants his son to play more. He thinks that if his son plays more ice time, that he will get drafted. And it also puts his son in a really shitty situation because he can't, the kid can't do anything about it, but he's just not that good. But his dad has the team and wants his son to play more. So it's going to be interesting to see how this ends up playing out, how much of a role the OHL will have, how long they'll take control of the team, and what will end up coming out long term. But it's just this is just a terrible situation all around. It's awful. And I don't want to see Billy stuck there any longer. If it were up to me, I would pull him out right now and send him to Grand Rapids. In happier news, in the QMJHL, Adam Marsh added three more points to his collection, scoring two goals and one assist in three games. He now has 23 goals, 41 points on the season in total 44 games. Evgeny Svechnikov added a goal and two assists in two games last week, and he now has 28 goals and 66 points in 42 games this season. And as a bonus, in those two games last week, he didn't get a single minor penalty. That's the first time this year that he's gone two games in a row without any penalty minutes. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts scored a goal and added three more assists in four games. He now has 48 points in 49 games, and he's the ninth highest scoring defenseman in the Western Hockey League. Jeff Merrick does a podcast each week. It's called Junior. It focuses 
on all the Canadian Hockey League. And he spoke with Marlon Martins, who's the play-by-play voice of the Victoria Royals, which is, of course, Joe Hickett's team. And Jeff Merrick opened uh, the discussion on Hickett's by saying this. He said, Joe Hickett's, the face of the Victoria franchise, the number one dog for this squad. Whenever I watch him play in every situation, even in situations where he can be overpowered physically, the way he positions his body is nothing short of genius. He's smallish by size, but by way of performance, he's enormous. Detroit's got themselves a good one. He asked Marlon Martins to talk a little bit about Joe, and here's what he had to say. Marlon said, He's captain of the team. He's a very strong body. It's as if he sets the tone for the team. Early in most games, right away, it's, there's Joe. He steps up at the blue line, he can hit somebody, and he can make an impact right away. He's so ultra-competitive, and what a great leader he is. He holds everybody accountable to the standards, and he plays the game the right way. He's a great guy, and he's passionate. He's confident, and he has a strong belief in his ability, and he always rises to the occasion. You need a goal, he'll take it in there and get it done. If you need a hit or you need to swing momentum back in your favor, there's Joe Hicketts. This is his team. I think that's a great summary of what it's like to watch Joe Hicketts. When you watch the Victoria Royals play, you are watching Joe Hicketts. And I loved Jeff Merrick's description of saying that the way he positions his body is nothing short of genius. It doesn't matter. He will take out players twice his size hit them, run through them, take the puck in, and score. I can't wait until Hicketts gets to Grand Rapids next year. He's going to be so much fun to watch. Down in Portland, Dominic Turgeon had two goals and two assists in four games last week, and he now has 58 points in 60 games and continues to lead his team in scoring. For our European prospects, Patrick Bexell, also known as Zeb Habs on Twitter, found and translated a great quote for me from Hans Walsen, who's the coach of Schleftia, Axel Holmstrom's team. Hans said, It's always draining to play at the World Junior Championships, and I see that Axel is getting back in into it now. He seems to get closer to the old Axel we got to see during last year's playoffs. He leads his formation well, and I have nothing but confidence in regards to him. That's a pretty good thing to hear coming from your coach, especially when Axel early on this season wasn't putting up the numbers that many expected after his performance last year. But when you hear something like that from the coach, this complete confidence, there's no concern there whatsoever. It's great to hear. Christopher N's been playing both in the SHL with the Frolunda's A team and with their junior 20 team. It's structured a little bit differently over there than it is here, so it's no big deal for him to go from one team to the other or play with both teams in the course of two days. There isn't even a paper transaction that needs to take place. He can simply go and play. So it makes it very easy for them to do that. Patrick found and translated an interview from Christopher N. as well. And one of the things that he was asked about was playing for both Frolunda's A team and the U20 team and in the World Juniors. N. was also on loan to another SHL team earlier in the season. So the question that he was asked was, if we turn to you for a bit, you played a lot in the fall on loan, then you go back to Frolunda's A-team, a bit of U-20, and one World Junior Championship. How is it to play that many games with that many teams? And Christopher said, it's fun. Matches are a lot more fun than to practice. It's great, especially when you get a bit less ice time with the A-team, then you can fall back to the U-20 in order to play a bit more. It becomes a way to develop parts of my game that I need to improve to get more time with the senior team. Is it difficult for him to play on that many teams, especially when there's probably a lot of different tactics and game plans? N says, there are some problems, especially going from senior to junior hockey. There are differences, but I feel I had it worked out so far. He said it's obviously the most fun to play with the A-team. And when asked if we were going to see a goal from him last weekend, he said, I'm not sure. It's been a bit of a lackluster thing so far, but I'm getting closer. And then laughed. Again, it's always fun for me to hear or read interviews with the players where their personalities can come out. So a huge, huge thank you to Patrick, not only for finding both those interviews, but for translating them for me. You're the best, Patrick. In the case 
AHL, the regular season has come to an end and playoffs are underway. Katykin and SK St. Petersburg played their first playoff game versus Locomotive. Unfortunately, they lost 3-2 in overtime. As far as regular season stats go, Alexander finished the regular season with 11 points in 48 games, averaging 10 minutes and 42 seconds of ice time per game. And that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Thank you, Michelle, for that wonderful prospects report. We're going to jump right into our reader questions. As always, JJ usually uh, takes care of these. So, JJ, you got the mic. Speak. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I hate you guys. Was that supposed to be me? <laughs> it sounded uh, like whoever. You're a bald yeah. asshole. <laughs> Yeah, the hairy ones are so much harder to wipe. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Uh, who is your dream deadline acquisition this year, and what are you willing to pay? Um, I, I, Hampus Lindholm. That's your dream? That's that your is, dream? Eric that Carlson. There's dream the dream. dream. Yeah. Eric Carlson, <laughs> anything except Larkin. I was looking. I was looking for things that could realistically happen. No, dream. It's a dream. Dream? Okay. Uh, uh, Stop chasing them. 25-year-old Nick Lidstrom. Oh, there you go. See, now that's a great answer. Thank you. Although he didn't win his first Norris until he was after 30. Jesus Christ, Graham. You really want to delay greatness that long, Kyle? What do you want to pay? I just want want the team to be good for a long time. That's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, Can you all take five shots and do the rest of the show hammered in honor of this weekend? Uh, No, I'm getting car in a matter of hours so I'm i have not. to work in the morning and then i have to try and get as much sleep as i can because i'll have to wake up at like 4 a.m to go to the airport to fly uh i'm drinking now all right yeah, Trump, I'm asking, they always do the show hammered and the true answer to that is uh yeah about half of us are usually drinking while doing yeah this. jeff and yeah. i are usually having a cocktail or a beer i stay frosty because somebody's got to be an adult around here it's true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next excellent question by Lance Man. Is this a show where you get extremely frustrated with all the completely unreasonable trade proposals listener, trade proposals listeners imagine? Because I do find a certain kind of joy in laughing at that stuff. <laughs> I I don't know. Like I, I I haven't really tuned into the comments on this one, but uh usually I think trade proposals, especially ridiculous ones, are a lot of fun to read. Just because I, they give you a really good laugh. And then if you come into a good one, you're like, oh, yeah, that's real nice. I do appreciate it. There's that one guy, and I I'm, I feel bad I don't remember his name, but he always comes up with like the, just the goofiest shit out of the blue. I think like, I know who you're talking about, and I don't remember his name either. But I do know. Jonathan Erickson for Eric Carlson? Yeah. I think so, I would. I don't get so frustrated with the unreasonable. It's the same the same proposals over and over. Yeah, and over again, yeah. Where you've talked yeah. about them eighteen times, you're like maybe we should trade Polkin in for Vatnin. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Call up Kenny. We'll give him a third round pick too. Yeah. Kindle in a third, baby. Kindle well, in a third. Speaking of Kindle, no, just kidding. Just kidding. I don't want to talk about him. Go, Mister. Pass through waivers twice. Uh, where does Polkin in fit? I've been harping on replacing Richards with Polkin in the lineup, though it sounds a bit crazy. Where do you think he fits in the lineup? Who do you take out to put in him, excluding uh, Glendening? Glendening. <laughs> Glendening. Is that like a yingling? Like, like a he's like put the, the 
N with the the accent mark over it. Oh, okay. What are you yeah, doing, yeah. Nick? Nick New um, Noi. Maybe it's maybe that's native language for him or her. Perhaps. All right. Um, the answer to that question is, as of right now, I don't see where he fits in. I don't. He's. See, every time I try to think about, it, I, I have to exhale because I don't know what I want to say about him. He doesn't. He doesn't create offense on his own, so you can't put him in a in a depth role and think, oh, you're going to get offense from him. But who do you take out of the top six to replace him with? Yeah, it would have to be like an injury or like I had said before, uh, if Nyquist or Tatar really want, if this whole cold streak really goes on, let them sit for a game. Be nice, I, that's, that's my personal opinion. I, I, hey, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I don't think it'll never happen. I mean, no. if we're yeah. fucking realistically. I, personally, I always thought the best lineup they were icing was the one where Polkinen was sitting. And they had that uh, Helm, Shea, and Glenn Denning fourth line. And, I mean, that, that lineup, lineup worked. I don't know why they ever went away from it, but, you know, power play. Yeah, see, that's where I'm kind of at, too. It's like I can... Like I, the, everybody, I think of is like, well, yeah, I think he could use a a day off, but that's that's it. Like I don't like Richards, for example. I I think that Richards could use a day off, but I don't think I want Glenn or Pulkinen in there over him all the time. I think Glenn Denning could use a damn day off, but even him, like well, if somebody's got to p- kill penalties, although you could fill the the PK roles with tons of other people, I just don't know if I want Pulkinen there. And it's it's weird because I really like Pulkinen, but yeah, I'm not sure he fits. I I would I would put Pulkin in for Richards on the power play because I'm tired of Brad Richards power play point man. But I mean that's not that's a specific situation. That's not a lineup decision. I still want Brad Richards in the lineup playing in a game. Yes. Yep. All right, we got a three for from uh, November Mike uniform. Uh, why are they not playing Thomas Yurko? They are. It's true. But well, because he he doesn't he doesn't power play good. He don't power well, yeah. play good. Yeah, and apparently he doesn't kill penalties under Blashill, even though he did against under Babcock. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, because Yurko has not scored twenty goals yet. Uh, would you trade Nyquist, Smith, and a pick or prospect for Justin Falk? Ny- wait, Nyquist, who? Gustav Smith. Nyquist, Brendan Smith, and either a pick or prospect. Let's just call it up a first rounder or Svechnikov. Mm. Yes. You almost lose me at the first rounder. Svechnikov? Yes. First rounder? Actual first rounder? No. And I know that sounds weird, but mm, Nyquist and Smith without question. Yeah. Fuck both of them. Throwing Howard. There you go. There we are. Now we're talking. It's a tough yeah. one. That's a tough one because Falk is a good defenseman. Um, and I like him a lot. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I have to watch more Falk because gut feeling, yes, I do it. But at the same time, it feels like that might be a big overpayment. Or not a big overpayment, but a definite overpayment. But I don't know. Screw it, YOLO. Uh, it's a seller's market this year, I think. Well, yeah. You got, you got what, five or six teams maybe that are selling and 18 to 20 that are buying? Right, I mean, and the funny thing is, is that the Hurricanes, I don't think, are going to be selling because I think they could still push into a playoff spot, maybe. Yeah, they're in a weird spot because they're they're on that cusp of, of they've got a lot of good young pieces 
that if they kind of sold off some of their some of their dead weight, or if they moved a guy like Eric Stahl, for example, I mean, mm-hmm. they could really replenish um, and get some young guys, get some picks, some prospects, or something, and just kind of fully commit to a rebuild. The problem is they're they're so close. How do you how do you throw the towel in with over a month left? And uh, when you're what are they four points out of a playoff spot? Yeah, they're close. Like that, I mean, they're 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 certainly within striking distance. So, uh, I don't think they sell. I think Eric Stahl would be one of them, and then Versteeg probably. Versteeg will just go back to Chicago. You know, they're going to trade for him again. Yep. And then for like a conditional fourth round pick. Yeah, and then they'll put Versteeg with uh, Taves and Hosa. You know, he'll score like three goals and and then have a playoff run, and then they'll cut him loose in the in the off season. Sunrise, exactly. sunset. Yeah, hit that guy. Uh. Sure, I make that trade, and then I kill myself trying to come up with a good Falkland Islands war joke for it. Uh, how are they going to fix their power play? Can't. It's broken. It's that's a shit, good question. Shit broke. They shit need a. They need yeah. to fire Fershweiler. He needs to go. Then there's no unless they like surge back and turn into like a top ten team in that regard. Yeah, Fershweiler needs to take a hike after this season. He needs to take a hike this season. But yeah. The entries have been better. What they need to do is they need to push the puck more towards the middle on the entries to try to get more rush shots so that hopefully – because that's a lot of things that they've been doing good entries and they're like, oh, shit, we got the puck into the zone. Now we can set up the umbrella. Um, no, the yeah. purpose is not to – like it's not to just set up the power play. Oh, look, look what you did. You, you set up so you can make five straight passes. Um, you're actually supposed to score, so if you get in the zone of speed, you should maybe try to go to the net with it. Uh, get Richards off the point, um, make pointmen collapse lower and shoot more often. Uh, yeah. My fear is that... They just need to stop delaying so much on their shots, too. My fear is that Cronwall's return is going to be... is going to see kind of back what we saw at the beginning, where it's just basically everything runs through him, and they and they just look to set him up for a point shot and then pray for a rebound or, uh, you know, some sort of deflection or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Our sizzle wants to know, as it stands now, if you could choose to have only Polkanen or Yurko on the third line and the other one sits, who would you choose and why? I take Yurko on the third line. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, and I give him power play time. Yeah, of course, Yurko is a uh, bigger, better two-way and, um, Faster. Convinced that Polkinen is actually that much better of a scorer. He's more tenacious. Yeah, he's he's better puck handler. I mean, Yurko's the guy you want there. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, prospects and rookies. Which of the w- wings really great new players like D Boss, AA, Polky, Marchenko, uh, do you think will stick with the team? And which of them are trade bait? Who, besides Larkin, is going to be the future of the Red Wings? And who's going to end up like Keith Primo? Much love, but traded anyway. <laughs> Um, it's so hard to really say because you look at a guy like Polkinen and you, you would think that NHL teams would really be just going nuts over what he has. I mean, if you think about Polkinen at his core, like what he is, he is a one-trick pony. That is what he is. He's never really been anything different. He is a guy who shoots the puck hard, and that's what what he's expected to do. Um the Red Wings haven't been able to get him in a situation where he can do that on a consistent basis. Call it the Red Wings, call it him, whatever. Um, but, you know, there might be a team out there who could say, 
hey, we'll sh- we'll throw you a draft pick for this kid, or or, or we'll we'll give you a a, a, pros- a decent prospect who has you know more time on his entry level contract that would give you a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, I could see that happening, or Polkinen could be a part of a, a a bigger trade, which I don't think necessarily will be happening. Um, and then Yurko, I still think Yurko has higher keep value for the team. Um, you, you know, just give him give it a little bit more time. I know it's frustrating, but you know, you got him for another what another year after this. So um, let's see how he does for the rest of the season, getting actual ice time, and then how he does next season, um, and then you can kind of gauge that. Uh, and then yeah, Larkin, obviously, you're not moving ever. Um, Athanasiu is a guy I could see as a guy who would who would probably stick here, um, just because I think that he is Darren Helm, but better, way better. Yeah, he's well, he's bigger, and he's yeah. just. Uh, I mean, Blashill obviously trusts him from uh, Grand Rapids, so I think uh, I could see Athanasiu settling into a, a third line center role. Like he reminds me a little bit of uh, Marcus Kruger. Um, yeah. You know, just just a real solid player. He's never going to wow you. He's not going to put up a ton of points, but he's going to give you um, he's going to give you enough offense from the third line to make the third line dangerous. Um, he probably at some point could could really anchor penalty kill and be good there. Just kind of that that guy you can just kind of put in a lot of different situations. You can always count on him. What Helm was several years ago, except I, it, like uh, Athanasio maybe ha- might have a little bit more finishing ability. Um, a lot more. Know. You know, I, I I could see the wings. I don't know much about the prospects. I, I leave that stuff to other people. But I almost wonder if the wings could in th- and I'm I'm purely speaking in theory here um, entice a team to take a flyer on Ryan Sproul because Ryan Sproul in theory has all of the tools that a team could look for if they're looking for that offensive puck moving defenseman. Fortunately, from everything I've heard about him, he just never really has taken his game to the next level at the AHL level. So I don't think he's going to be a Red Wing. Um, it, from everything I've heard from people who I trust, Jensen and Russo have have surpassed him. Besides Marchand, you know, I mean, who have clearly surpassed him. I almost wonder if if Sproul would be a guy to be included in a package for a team that is clearly on a rebuild, maybe looking to take on a project and kind of sweeten a deal for something um as for like a keith primo type i don't think that guy exists yet although maybe martin firk is that guy because he's playing well in grand rapids now but he was a pretty decently high pick uh and it seems like he's it's taken him a long time to kind of figure out his game at the ahl level so you know i don't know if he's ever gonna actually make it to detroit maybe he's a guy that uh could be moved yeah, I think that uh, Larkin and Athanasiu are the really easy choice. I'm not sure I'm going to miss anybody enough to call anybody else like a Keith Primo, much love but traded anyway. Although that might be Marchenko, just because yeah, we have just too many defensemen. We only have one coming off the books this year, and shit, they may still re-sign Quincy anyway. <clears throat> so we got a ton of guys freaking gaining waiver eligibility, so we just can't keep everybody. So. Uh, Bye guys, I love you. You'll be sorely missed, but whatever. I don't know. I I'm kind of in the mood where I I don't care about prospects right now. And you know what? I'm honestly, sorry, kids, but yeah, Keith Primo you. was never. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I didn't love 
Keith Primo. I was like, yeah, Keith Primo's a good player, but you got us Brendan Shanahan. So that's that's why I love Keith Primo. It's because he got us yeah. Shanahan, not yeah. because he was some sort of superstar for the for the wings. He was good, but Probert kicked his ass, so fuck him. Yeah, that's true. Kiss my ass, Keith Primo. Uh, Detroit, Colorado <laughs> alum, alumni game. Uh, what's your guess on the score, penalty minutes, and are you going to watch? Yes, I'm gonna watch. Well, we'll we'll watch. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll definitely watch. Uh, I'm Not much else to be there in that stadium. Yep, no, I I'll think uh, think we're looking at a uh, what six to four wings. Yeah, I think it's gonna be low scoring. Yeah, it'll be because a lot of these guys are actually like they could still really play. <laughs> yeah, so. so they're gonna like really muck it up, and I think that like Waugh has been practicing as hard as he possibly can. Yeah. So I I hope we light him up for nine. <laughs> yeah, like a five four six five, yeah, something like that. There'll be some goals, yeah. but it won't be crazy. I don't think there's going to be any shit. Yeah, it, I, I still can't shake the the thinking that they're going to have like some like goofy fake bench clearing water balloon fight or some shit like that. And I'm I, honestly going to get super mad about that. Yeah, I'd get McCarty and Lemieux talk. And then maybe like look like they're gonna drop the gloves, and then like handshake or hug or touch dicks. Yeah, or I'd something. be so angry <laughs> if that happened. Uh, yeah. Like, but if, I mean, because they're not. If gonna, they're gonna they're, stage something, they gotta stage Lemieux turtling again. Absolutely, if something's it, gonna be staged. Lemieux has to go down and turtle. That's it. Yeah, I mean that. That's what it's gonna be, and it they might do something, but it's not gonna be anything. These guys, are, these guys are old man. They just want to go out and just have a good time. Half of them are probably going to be ripped anyway, so who cares? Yeah, that's true. McCarty yeah. is going to be lit like a Christmas tree. He will be. Yeah, that's, that's, give, it his, give it his history, baby. That's, well, whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, G.S. Turkey wants to know, uh, since Helm is uh, UFA at the end of the year, should he be traded for the deadline for picks or another package? Uh, basically, AA can fill his role, whatever. Um, you know... I listened to um, the ESPN. Uh, Craig Kistens, uh did his podcast with um, LeBron and, and um, Burnside. And they were talking about players, uh, teams that they were really interested to watch at the deadline. And they mentioned Boston. The reason they mentioned Boston is they said Boston was the one team they thought that could sell and buy at the same time. Because they've got pieces that are very attractive to other teams like Louis Erickson. Um, but they could also look to bring in. And players, and I thought, you know, Detroit's in that same boat, really. I mean, they could sell a couple of rentals to other teams. Um, if they wanted to, Quincy. I don't think Quincy will be moved, but they, they could, in theory, move him to a team that needed defensive help. But they could also look to maybe buy a little bit. Um, and I and, and one of the, the – the, if I thought that there was one rental that would be moved out by Detroit, it would be Helm. Because I, well, I think you should write a think, post about that. Write a post about what? About the Red Wings should sell and buy. I kind of did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you guys will have already read it by the time you heard this. So whatever. Nah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but that, right yeah, but that's that's kind of where I thought it is. Is you know, I, personally, I'd move Helm. I mean, if you can get if you can yeah. find something, Darren Helm, he's be. I don't want to say he's become redundant. I, this idea that AA can just immediately step into his role is um i think it's part partially wishful thinking because yeah. we have such a small sample size for a at the nhl level 
you don't really know what he can do, but I think the potential for him to just be the new helm uh, means that if you can find something attractive that makes your team better either right now or long run for Darren Helm, do it. Yeah. Um, JJ and I talked about this earlier, not on the podcast, but um, I just don't see a lot of value for him. Like, I don't know... Like what? I, there are no teams off the top of my head. Like, oh, they need a guy like Darren Helm. Why? Because Darren Helm, he can skate really fast. He has stone hands. He can play on the penalty kill. You're trying to trade like a depth guy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could get that get get him over to like a, I don't know, like a like the Avalanche or or, or somebody who would give a, a draft pick for it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on this. But I just I don't know. I just see him to be such a easily replaceable journeyman at this point that maybe there aren't any teams who would want to take a shot on him. Um, and yeah, then part of me, th- part of me thinks that the Red Wings are going to re-sign him anyway. So yeah, in that conversation, I uh, kind of came to the conclusion that I think that one team that may be willing to buy on helm, um, kind of needing that, uh, that three C or that depth kind of guy, um, Pittsburgh might do that. And it yeah. may come down to how much they miss Brandon Sutter. Because that's basically Darren Helm's ceiling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got like nobody's in their bottom six, and even when like their forwards are getting healthy, they still have nobody's in their bottom six. So Darren Helm could be a guy who could step in and play their third C, or maybe even play their fourth C, and and do a really good job. And so I, I agree with the concept of the Red Wings should consider both selling and buying. I think that the uh, the sequence should be essentially they I think they should try to sell first and then buy. Um, so see if they can get save see if they can offload Helm, see if they can offload Quincy. Um, with the concept on Quincy being, I think that they should be a little bit more selective on what they try to get back from him. Uh, for Helm, I would probably take a third rounder. Um, for Quincy, I think I would want to make absolutely sure it's at least a second for that. And I'm not sure that he's going to get that, but it's the trade deadline. Crazy shit happens. Yeah. And then consider yeah. what's out there. Like consider if you can pull Vatman or uh, see if Winnipeg is, is going to sell Truba for a decent price or, or what's going to go there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I don't necessarily want to get rid of Helm just for the sake of getting rid of him. But if the deal is there, yeah, I, I make it. I think that the Red Wings are positioned to where they could do that. The one thing that that was brought up is, you know, everybody says, well, you don't want to lose him for nothing. And it's like, well, you're not, I mean, if you don't trade him at the deadline, you still get that player for 20 more games plus the playoffs. So it's not like you, it's not like you don't lose them for nothing because maybe you're going to get picks or or a prospect or a player back, but you're also, you're going to gain the cap space that they're taking up and would have taken up if you let them go. So I, I don't know. I'm starting around to this idea that, well, if you let an unrestricted free agent walk and then they sign with somebody else, you've you've lost something. It's like you you really haven't. Now you have have you've won less roster space and you have some cap flexibility, which the Wings don't have either of right now. Yeah. Oh, good. A uh, a very serious question from Och Eleven. <laughs> Would you rather have a Tangrady sized duck or a goat sized Tangrady in the lineup? <laughs> Fuck off, dude. <laughs> Fucking question. I want you to answer this one. I'd rather have the Tangrady sized duck because it's big and it'll have big feet and can step on people. 
don't fucking know. I hate these questions. Big impressive wingspan on that duck, yeah. Yeah, that be pretty eyes. good. Except no thumb, but no thumbs, no thumbs to no, hold a no stick. Hand, can't, so. can't hold a stick. Hand pass every time. What was the other one? Uh, goat sized Tangrady. So basically, Tangrady half sized. So you're looking at a Tangrady the size of uh, uh, Timu Vulcanin. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'll take the Timu Vulcanin sized Tangrady. Yeah, be just as effective. So boom. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he can hold a stick and he can play. He wouldn't be as good on the wing. Does he have much? Does he uh, have Oh. Does what? Does he have machetes no. for arms? Uh, no. The question does not ask. Okay. Well, then, no. Uh, let's see. We already answered that question. Oh, please discuss the pluses and minuses of Nyquist versus Tatar. Who brings more value? Who would you bring back in a trade? Or who would bring back more in a trade? Whose value could be more easily replaced by a prospect? Um, I think, uh, well, I don't know if we have any prospects who I could say would replace them right now. So um, I can't really answer that right now. Um, I the only thing I can really gauge is wh- who would turn more in a trade, and personally, I think it's Tatar. Um, I know that uh, Graham would say Nyquist because his contract is more long term, uh, but I think Tatar just what he gets paid right now is really good for what the kind of player that he is. Whereas how Nyquist has been performing, I don't know. It's just it does it's not a good look for him. But I think Tatar definitely would have more trade value, um, not only Tatar's because of his next deal is RFA too, right? And it, yeah, so he, whereas um, it'll you know he he won't if he does go out for the next two years and and put up big numbers, then yeah, you're cool with paying him. But if he doesn't, then you can you know essentially get him for cheaper um, or let somebody else pay him more and then get that offer sheet compensation. Um, but yeah, I think it's Tatar just because of the contract, and uh, not it really. That's the only thing I can say. I think they're both valuable players in terms of skill. Um, and I, 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 I said it in my post that is not yet posted at this point, but it will be tomorrow um, when when everybody's listening to this. Um, the only way I trade Tatar or Nyquist is obviously if it is returning something that is a dire, absolute need for this team, and I don't think. Ken Holland. I think Ken Holland would be in the same boat. So it would definitely have to be like a, a defenseman that could step into a top role and not just a top four, a top two role. Yep. Graham, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Kyle touched on it. I, I, I think Nyquist has, I think Nyquist has a tiny little bit more value. And honestly, I look at these two as fairly interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, their skill sets are a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a, 20 to 25 goal scoring winger who's on the smaller side um, good speed um, can play on the power play and um, you know I mean that that that's what each of them is so I think when you're looking at them just kind of in a vacuum at the at the two players I think they're pretty much the same guy um, the reason I said Nyquist and, I, and it's just by a hair is that Nyquist contract makes him um, for a team that would be either having cap issues because we don't know what the cap's going to be. I mean, there's there's talk that the cap might not go up in the next little bit. So if you're looking if you're looking long term, you know what Nyquist is going to make over the next five years after this year, after this year, or st- did his deal kick in this year? His deal kicked in this year, right? Yeah. So he's got four more years after this. Plus, you've bought I think one or two of his UFA years as well yep. in that 
contract. So the potential is there. If you trade for a Thomas Tatar, for example, and he goes off, now you got to pay him more. And you don't know what that contract is going to look like. You don't know what the cap landscape is going to look like. Uh, Nyquist, from a financial standpoint, brings a little bit more stability to a team that may not know how they want to divvy up their money. So I, I think that you could potentially sell a team on that a little bit easier than on Tatar because who knows what he's going to make in a couple of years. But, I mean, whose value could be more easily replaced by a prospect? A scoring winger. So, I mean, they're the same. Yeah, I think you guys touched on everything. I just, I'll just add, uh, I think I personally like Tatar more, uh, but I think objectively Nyquist might be slightly better uh, at hockey. So, Yeah, he's better two-way. <clears throat> yeah. Because he's still yeah, a good just, two-way Tatar player. terrifies me trying to get the puck out of the Red Wing zone. And I know he's basically going through one of the things that he goes through where he doesn't look as dominant and like he then he breaks out and the guy looks like a mini Dotsuk for a little while. Um, and that's just a factor of something that I think will will even out a little bit more in his favor as it goes. But um, Nyquist has gotten so much better at back-checking that I think that's yeah. that's the edge. And I, I hate comparing them as much as I ever hated comparing Dotsuk and Zetterberg. Not to say that those two are comparable to Datsuk and Zetterberg, but uh, Nyquist is comparable to uh, Tatar as Datsuk was comparable to Zetterberg back then. So um, I just I hate doing it because it always feels like I'm, I'm shitting on one unnecessarily when I, I like them both. Uh, the next question is, which team's ineptness, current or future, brings you or would you bring you the greatest schadenfreude? Hmm. Hmm. I think Chicago going back to being terrible. Cool. Yeah, Chicago's the one for me just because, A, they've been really good, and that sucks. And, B, I fucking live here, and I have to <laughs> deal with it. And it's just awful. And, it, I mean, there's and there is, there's a, a bandwagon component to it, which is true in every city. Um, I've kind of come around to the, the note of bandwagon fans because teams support – fans support winning teams. That happens. <laughs> the reason the Red Wings have as many fans as they do is because they were kick-ass for you know over a decade. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see how that support plays out when they inevitably fall, which they will, and they get bad, which they will, God willing. And I just I, I really want to see it, and I want to see the people who I personally know who have been fucking dipshits about the damn Blackhawks to me. Um, just not talk hockey anymore, and I'm going to rub their noses in my my happy shit that I make because the Blackhawks suck again. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to have a different one here. Um, I really enjoy and it, it, I really enjoy Winnipeg's ineptness because their fans are absolute dipshits. Um, and ever since they came back, uh, I don't know, everything sucks. So. Fuck Winnipeg. Yeah. I think outside of Chicago, uh, Boston has real dipshit fans, and half their riders are, are fucking awful. Um, and then <laughs> the dark horse on that is, like, I can't imagine the amount of joy I would bring that would bring me to see the Toronto plan that looks to be coming together and is starting yeah. to get really scary looking. Like, holy shit, they could be really good in a few years. Like that fall apart and Toronto just like go into the depths of a ten year Edmonton cycle. 
Uh, oh, that would be amazing. Oh, so much joy. Just because that would be that would be amazing. The way the Toronto writers have like been treating this entire like the early season. Oh my God, look at what Black, Babcock has done. They're uh, they're collapse proof now, and then they collapse, and it's like, oh well, this is the plan all along. It's just yeah. I really want to watch all of well, that. They're, just they're really competitive and they stay in games. Yeah, that's what bad teams do because yeah. they're not talented, so they have to work hard. Right. Well, they're a, they're a positive possession team. It's because they're losing by four after the first period of every game. They're a bad team. <laughs> I w- it's funny. It, it, Toronto now, no, because they're supposed to be bad. They're bad. So there's no – like I don't get any joy in seeing Mike Babcock's team be bad because that's that was the design. Mike Babcock didn't leave the Red Wings to go to a great team and then they underachieved. This is exactly where the, the Leafs were supposed to be. But mm-hmm. my God, if that – plan doesn't work out if in three years there's still not a playoff team it's going to be amazing yeah because that will be when all all of these young players that they're that they're stockpiling will be nhl players i mean there 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 will be no excuse for that to not for them to not be in the nhl at that point and if they're not oh it would be so great all right we got uh two rapid fire yes no's and then uh one more in depth so uh, does it concern you guys at all that maybe signing guys like Darren Helm to three-year contracts that uh, even at great money might be limiting some of the prospects coming up? Yes. 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 Okay. And then with the youth being more prevalent, do you think we should expect more of the slumps that come from the grind and not being ready for it? You know, like Larkin only having one point in the last eight games or Marchenko looking kind of iffy lately. Um, basically, kids go through this more often. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Awesome. Okay, now we got something of a. Uh, it's kind of an FMK. It's uh, trade for one and resign, trade for one and don't resign, and don't trade for rental editions. Basically, there's a group of forwards and a group of defensemen we're going to go over. So, of these three guys, you have to decide the Red Wings are going to trade for two of these guys. One of them they're going to keep, one of them they're going to let walk, and the third one they're not going to get at all. So, in forwards, you got Paul Gostad, Andrew Ladd, and Milan Lucic. I take Lucic. I would trade for Lucic. And resign him or not? Um. Yeah, I would. Okay, so who's the guy that you trade for and don't resign? Lad. And then Gostad can fuck off. Yes. Okay. Or you know okay. what, Gostad and Lad are interchangeable. Even though uh, I don't like Gostad, I think Gostad mm, would cost way less. Gostad would cost way less. You had it right the first time. Yeah, I, I, I'm trading for and not resigning Lad because uh, he's got more offensive upside than Gostad does. Short term, he could help you more than Gostad. Gostad's useless. Yeah, yeah but. Lad would also. Lucic is going to cost so much, but in the in the next contract, but boy, he does bring that like gritty physical shit that would just shut everybody up. He does. I mean, if if you're you're looking at those three guys in a vacuum, I mean, it's you re-sign Lucic out of the out of the three of them easily. Yeah. Okay. On the defensive side, we got uh, Braden Coburn, Eric Griba, and Brian Campbell. Fuck all of them. Um, I guess I I take wait who's the third one? Ryan Campbell. Ryan Campbell. Um, a, a, all right. I I'll re-sign Campbell, but it has to be like a one-year deal or a two-year deal, and he can't be making like seven million dollars a year. Fuck that shit. Um, and then uh, Griba, he can fuck right off. All right. So you're gonna rent Coburn? I'd rent Coburn. Sure. I, yeah, I'd re-sign Campbell. Um, God, I don't know enough about Eric Griba, so... I fucking hate him. I guess I'd rent Coburn and not, 
not trade forever? I don't know. Can I pass? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Cause you can do just as many jokes with Coburn as you can do with Griba. So that's a push for me either way. Griba sounds like an STD. Like Eric Gribass. Yeah. Or Brandon. Man. Braden Cockburn. I, I met this really, I met this really <laughs> questionable person. At, I went home with this really questionable person at the bar, and now I got Griba. <laughs> Don't be such a Gry baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Beer League Arbitration, and his first question, I think he's got, he's got such good questions. I, I like you, Beer League Arbitration. Uh, do you think the GMs around the league are weighing the upcoming uh, likely expansion draft as they approach the deadline or in general? Uh, for example, does it behoove a GM to keep some sacrificial lambs on the roster knowing essentially they're going to have to expose a bunch of guys to the expansion draft? That's a really good question. That's a fantastic question. Um, I think there's I, – I think – look, GMs, they know. I mean they at least have some idea as to what's going on. It's, the reports are out there that expansion is – I think what, – what, I mean what, what would we say? It's It's – it's definitely a possibility closer to a probability within the next couple of years yeah. that expansion is going to happen. So yeah, I mean, why not? You know, they have to keep that in mind that if they sign some of these contracts, they're going to lose some players. So why not keep a couple of your bad, shitty contracts on the roster, and then when you know when the time comes, just oh, expose the expansion draft. Peace out. Yeah, that's the thing is you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive with like contracts that may not be as good. Uh, because expansion teams will grab bad contracts to make the floor, knowing that they are. You start an expansion team and you are starting in an automatic uh, three or four year rebuild cycle anyway. So yeah, you can go ahead and take a Jonathan Erickson at four point two five million dollars, uh, knowing that he'll be gone by the time that you've got enough. Like the, the by the time that your top draft picks are are going to be ready to start winning with guys who aren't terribly overpaid. Especially if those cap hits are above what their actual real dollar salaries are. Yeah. So if you can find a guy who's got a $4 million cap hit but's only making $2 million in real money, I mean, that's win-win. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure that the GMs are doing that yet, but I think they really ought to be. Um, the, the, this would be a really good time to make sure that your prospects' pools are really well stacked. And I'm not sure that Detroit is necessarily... Um, ahead of the curve there but i think that they're i think they're pretty well set my concern there is that they don't that their defensive prospects are all kind of all aging out at the same time and that may be a little too early for the expansion draft to kind of help them but it could work out uh let's see would you trade uh Jakob kindle for a ham sandwich yes uh yeah as long as they're not mayo on it yeah i know sure Actually, you know what? No, I'd still do it. I'd give it to the dog. It's fine. I'd take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wouldn't. I would just let, let Jakob Kindle go and then just make myself a ham sandwich because it's, you know, why waste it? Yeah, ham and bread isn't that expensive. Yeah. Just take him for free. Uh, let's see. We are 21st in the league in scoring for a team, team that seeks to gain another playoff berth. This is not good news. Yes, mm, but that's not a true. question. Yep. As we contemplate the tight race for those spots, can we seriously not do anything at this year's deadline? I think seriously we can't don't have to do anything. Yeah. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. We shouldn't go full buy. Like we should not just you know, go all in and buy buy like uh, players. B U I. Okay. Never mind. I thought you were talking something else. If you want to go full buy, that's fine. <laughs> not to this weekend. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. I kind of killed the move there. Team Kicker Death. Uh, does uh, Freshweiler make it to uh, next season? I don't know. 
it shouldn't. It's hard to. I mean, look. You look at it this way. Last year, the Wings power play finished top. I don't remember exactly where they finished. They were way up there. This year, almost the the exact same personnel, and they're garbage. What changed? You know, I mean, Brad Richards. Yeah. <laughs> I fucked up, man. Guys ruined everything. He'll be gone. Not a stupid Chicago stink to the damn team. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if he if he survives. It certainly has to be changed. But I mean, how many times does an assistant coach get fired midway through a season? Like, say they keep him, and the next year the power play sucks. Still, do you get rid of him? Does that happen? I think he probably gets until halfway through next season. I just don't see them firing Firstweiler in the, the summer. I want him to do it right now. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't know. Another good question from Beer Lager. Beer league arbitration, uh, but I'm going to tackle this one solo. If the salary cap goes down next year, uh, how might the league treat teams that become non-compliant as a result? Uh, I would imagine they would offer some avenues to get compliant, uh, additional compliance buyouts, etc. Or do you think they would just say, too bad, you knew there was always a chance that this could happen? Um, the CBA rule on this is essentially too bad, you knew there was a chance that this could happen. If they are going to offer additional stuff like compliance buyouts, uh, the NHLPA has to specifically agree to that. Um, I'm not sure they would agree to compliance buyouts, but they probably would, especially if they're talking about getting expansion fees in where the players kind of don't get to touch any of that money. Um, that would be a way for them to solve their own escrow problem in the meantime. But honestly, the the big issue, if the cap goes down by $4 million, it may literally just be stuck it up, jerk-offs. Um, this is your yeah. problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no guarantees year to year that this cap's going to go up. So, and and this isn't like a CBA type of thing where you've you've negotiated a new CBA and you've put all these new terms and and conditions in, and so you go, hey, uh, there's a new salary cap, and we're we're changing the way we calculate it, so you get these two compliance buyouts. Um, I could see the NHLPA potentially allowing maybe one compliance buyout, um, just so that some their 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 members could get paid because otherwise because one of two things is going to happen if the cap goes down there are a lot of guys out there who are just not going to get jobs because they're not going to be able to afford to sign them so a lot of free agents are going to go without any sort of contract at all uh which is bad for the nhlpa because then they've got guy work um if they allow one compliance buyout per team maybe a guy loses his job he's still going to get money he's still going to get paid from a union perspective that's what they want and that still will allow teams to then go out and sign other players as free agents um so that more players can actually get jobs so from a an overall member standpoint maybe that compliance buyout might work but i don't i don't think i see the nhl even proposing that i think just a tough shit yeah and i'd love to see it happen and then watch nhl teams squirm Literally, they are not going to allow teams to be non-compliant. One way or another, oh, uh, no. if a team just says, "Oh, we couldn't do it," you know, this everybody conspired against us. Uh, the answer there is literally going to be tough shit uh, because the NHL cannot afford uh, the fight over saying, "Oh, yeah, base our salary cap does not count because it, because the Blackhawks who saved our sport, you know, just couldn't find a way to get compliant." They cannot afford to do that. Uh, that is asking for a world of shit. Basically, uh, undoes the entire CBA. <laughs> that's that's not something the league is, is going to want to be interested in doing. So yeah, that's uh, destruction Kenny, of the. No, sorry, I got 
No, I was just going to say that's like destruction of the space-time continuum back to the future level right there. Yeah, it's like proving God wrong and undoing the universe. It just yeah. doesn't happen. Uh, KDNA 6, if we were to drop enough salary to be able to sign Stancos in the offseason, what's the chance he would even want to come here? Sure. A lot of the writers think it's a good chance that they're, like, they're going to make a push for him. And yeah, I mean, why not? You know, if they, I mean, if they offer money, it's, uh, you know, you never know. I, I would peg it if, if they had the money, I would peg it at 50-50. Because if you think about it right now, think about this. Stamkos could go sign for $12 million in Toronto. He's going to be playing for a shit fucking team for the next two or three years. A shit team. And he'll have all the, you know, but the Red Wings, they're still a team. They have good pieces in place. Uh, why not? You know, tell you what, he, if this is a down cap year, what we should maybe consider doing is going with another uh, host of deal for Stamkos. You know what? You can go enjoy Toronto in two years after you, but enjoy the next two years with us. We can pay you what we can pay you. You're going to play for a contender. You don't have to worry about Toronto still being shit for another two years. I'd do that. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's like if he'd signed a, a HOSA-type mercenary deal, it's not like the year after. Teams won't be banging down his door to trying to, right. to, to do it. It, it. It'll come down to, to how much does he want to win because everybody's going to line up with the money for him. Right, of course. The so money's right. not going to be an issue. Tampa's going to have the inside track because they're going to have the ability to offer him the eighth year, which the other teams can't do. Mm-hmm. So if it's a money thing, Tampa might be able to step in and say, hey, we can give you an eighth year. Maybe we come down a little bit on 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 num on dollars, but there's also income tax down. They don't pay income tax in Florida. Yeah. Um, whereas in Toronto, he'll be taxed out of his ass. But Toronto offers so. But like you say, for Toronto, he's not gonna he's not gonna come close to winning for a couple of years. So it's a does he ride that out for a couple of years in the hopes that hey maybe I'm I'm the guy that brings a cup to Toronto. Do you guys think? Do you Screw think it. that do you think that the the tanking of the Canadian dollar has something to play into it too, possibly? I'm not sure why it would. It would actually benefit Sam Coast because salaries are guaranteed in US dollars. Yeah, he that's gets right. paid in US dollars. So if he lived in Toronto with a with a seventy three cent um, That's right. I, dollar, I, I had forgot about that. So. Yeah, so he could buy so many more falafels in Toronto. That's true. Big falafel fan, Stephen Stamkos. You heard it here first. Oh, hey, another FMK. Uh, App State wants to know. Uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to ask this one. Okay. More ducks and Tangrady and whatever. Uh, Rob Either Power, way. Has Morazic <laughs> had his moment of weakness? Uh, he's been better the last two starts, but I'm not sure he's back to his previous forms. What do we think about him going forward? Are we basically confident in Morazic still? Yeah, just we'll see what happens. Eh, he wasn't going to be in that level all season. It's, it's, there was going to be a bit of a bit of a come down. It's okay. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That's that's the way I'm going to look at it from going forward. I'll tell you what. I had the every shot that goes on Jimmy Howard terrifies me feeling, and I still had it in the Rangers game. Um, I hadn't completely shaken it in the Columbus game for Morazic that and. Because the one goal that Mrazek led on that game was a softy too. Yep. So I don't know. I, I don't think that you should ever be totally comfortable with your goalie, but I'm fairly confident in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which do you love the most from Athanasiu? His speed, his hands, or his eyebrows? His hands. I, 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 yeah, the hands are good. Speed. It's just fun to watch. 
Yeah, his good, his stride is mesmerizing. I I have always loved watching guys who just and you look at Athanasius like a, like a helm and like a Larkin, it looks effortless and it's That's, it's so fun to watch just a guy just just blaze down the ice and you're just like holy shit. You remember when Nyquist uh, I, came into the NHL the first and he had like those crossover strides that like made him look untouchable. That goal that he scored against, against Chara, Chara, against Boston <laughs> when they That's when, some of the he, best skating. I lo- I still I will watch that goal from time to time and just it's this, it's I agree I love it. Oh, I will say in defense of Athanasius eyebrows. Uh, those are incredible, and I think that they're already starting to catch on. I don't remember which dealership it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a Chrysler dealership that they play on FSD. Uh, the lady already has Athanasius eyebrows drawn on her. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know which commercial I'm talking about? No. She's wearing like a blue or a purple uh, blouse, and she's just... I'll pay attention next time. Yeah, they're just so terrifying. I, I, I used to think that it was like Eugene Levy was was her dad <laughs> or something, but no, I, I'm I'm now convinced that she has been on the Athanasiu hype train since the start. Um, and I'm sorry if this happens to be like a specifically eyebrow disadvantaged person that I'm making fun of. I apologize to all eyebrow disadvantaged people out there. Uh, just just be like Athanasiu. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, RW4L. Says the wings are fourth best in shot attempts against. Do we really have such a shitty defense as many people suggest, or are wings fans just too demanding? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could talk about this for so long. I. It's just. Well, don't. I. Yeah. I don't know. It's the TLDR version. The TLDR version is you have a team full of number two defensemen or bottom four defensemen. You don't have a number one defenseman who you can rely on night in and night out. That's the complaint for me. You don't have that guy. Answering for the fact that the Red Wings defensively give up very few shot attempts compared to the rest of the league and why that does not necessarily absolve the defense, um, specifically the blue liners, is they also have the ninth fewest shot attempts created. So they are... and. Blashill has specifically told the press this, that he is directly trying to limit the amount of shot attempts against, and he is sat, he know, is knowingly sacrificing creating offense for the Red Wings to shore up the defense. So I think that's what's telling about the concept of the Red Wings having a shitty defense. The coach trusts the defense so little, and that's that's an overstatement. It's, he doesn't totally trust it, but he doesn't trust the defense enough to unleash the offense. He has to specifically ask the forwards, hey, make their job easier um, by not taking so many chances, by not being so creative, uh, because they need your help. And that's the way I read that, is they are a low-event team because the blue line is something that cannot fully be trusted. Yeah, I agree. Immortal Lidstrom, um, and this happened a, a little while ago, uh, icing, taking an icing on a three-on-three three, uh, during overtime. Apparently, uh, like, Mrazek didn't come out of his out of his crease, and he let the Red Wings, uh, he let an icing call, which created a face-off in the offensive zone. Um, should he have come out and played it? I don't I remember yes. the play. So I don't think you no, should take an know. icing. 
I don't think that you should ever try to take a face off if you can because it's just such a random, yeah. even in the offensive zone, because it's such a random happenstance. Like, if you know that the other team has been yeah. out there for 90 seconds, then sure, go ahead and take it, I guess. But I would much rather just get the damn puck moving up ice and, and hold on to it. Yeah, because even then, if you lose the face off, um, there's so much space. That it's The other team's going to have a lot easier time clearing the zone and then getting the change that they want to get. I, I Puck possession. Possession in three and three is so important because you have so much space. I, I think you always want to maintain it. And when you've got a guy like Mrazek, who is basically like a fourth defenseman back there in the way he handles the puck, why wouldn't you use that to your advantage? Maybe if it's if it's an icing, trying maybe they're icing it because they want to get a change. Maybe you can catch them and get an odd man rush. Yep. All right. The very last question. I'm going to kick this one straight to Kyle because I have no idea who this kid is. Uh, do the Wings want this Dryden Hunt kid that everyone is suddenly talking about? Uh, he's the leading scorer in the WHL right now. He's pre agent. Um, they're probably they're probably trying to get him, yeah, for sure. But there's going to be so many other teams who would probably uh, uh, guarantee him NHL time right now and and all that. So um, twenty year old with uh, what ninety nine points in like sixty games. Yep, he is the leading scorer in the WHL. He is a good player. He's big, um, six foot winger, two hundred pounds. Yep, power winger type guy. Um, probably an ideal, you know, bottom bottom six winger. And hey, the Red Wings don't have enough of those, so why not? <laughs> six feet, two hundred pounds. He's huge. Yeah. And he is. To this, he's apparently had to work on his skating, which is why he didn't get drafted. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I haven't really watched him play this year. I'm sure that that Ken Holland will be trying to kick the tires there because why not? He's a free agent. So yeah, um, but. I, I think that another NHL team will get him. The Leafs will probably get him. It'll be a huge fucking deal, and they'll freak out over everything and overreact, and he'll, it'll be the greatest thing that's ever happened. So, Mark Arcabello. They'll trade yep. him tomorrow, and they'll flip him at the deadline for a third. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Who knows? But, yeah, he's a, he's good. If any, whoever gets him whoever dra- gets him for free is, I mean, good for them. Dryden Hunt's a powerful name, too. Like, WHL names are kind of stupid anyway, but Dryden Yeah, Hunt, Dryden Hunt is a I kind of like it. Dryden Hunt is a great WHL name. Yeah. Yeah, because usually you've got, like, their first name is, like, Kale or Braden. Colin or, yeah, <laughs> Gord. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. All right, so I'm going to just kick it right back to Kyle because we are right, done with reading again. questions. Uh, the week ahead, we've got two games ahead, uh, including the Stadium Series game. We will All three of us will be there, including Jeff. Um, if you are there, um, we will be doing a little bit of a shindig um, with Greg Wyshynski of Yahoo Puck Daddy and uh, Mile High Hockey. After the alumni game at 9 p.m., we have a post up on the website about it. It's at a brewery near the uh, Coors Field. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a good time. Uh, and you get to see how handsome we are in real life. So, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, and come buy us a beer, and we will tell you our about our inside sources in the NHL um, <laughs> that we are making up because we will be drunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, after that, they play Dallas on trade deadline day. Uh, don't expect to win that game, so whatever. Um, <laughs> additionally, uh, it, if there is a big... Uh, move made by Ken Holland on Monday, which is trade deadline day, um, 3 p.m. That's the trade deadline. Uh, if there's a significant move made by Ken Holland or the Red Wings, JJ and I will be jumping on a live 
podcast on the website uh, to talk about it, wrap about it a little bit, and then we will have a regular Wim Radio episode later on in the week. But yeah, we'll have like a little 30-minute uh, segment where you guys, uh, the listeners, could even call in because we'll be doing it live. Um, so if something happens, which who knows, um, we will definitely be jumping on and talking about it midday or sometime in the afternoon. So yeah, uh, any final related hockey thoughts or non-hockey thoughts? Okay. No. No, Denver's going to be awesome. Denver will be awesome. We're going to have a good time. All right, everybody. Well, for myself, for JJ, for Graham, for the rest of Winging in Motown, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Go Wings. Winging it. <laughs> Did somebody just make a fart noise? <laughs> I heard it, too. God damn it. All right. Um, all right. Well, we're going to restart that because I that far really fucking <laughs> 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 <laughs>